0: I'm Nathan Oren, and this is Journal Talk, the Q&A session where we answer your questions about journal writing. Thanks again for joining us on another episode of Journal Talk Q&A. I'm here with the legendary Susan Borkin, <laughs> psychotherapist, <laughs> author, and speaker. Did I say that right? Is it psychotherapist, Susan?
1: yes. That's Uh, right. Right.
0: Some people get confused between psychotherapist and psychologist and psychoanalyst. Can you tell us uh, in a nutshell, what's a psychotherapist?
1: A psychotherapist is a person with a master's degree trained in either social work or my license is in marriage, family, child therapy. And a psychologist usually has a PhD and a psychiatrist is an MD. And that's just a real quick version of that we all do therapy. We all have training in psychological processes. So psychotherapist is usually what I use.
0: I wonder in an alternate world, what I would have ended up being, because I'm attracted to all those things. And I've known from a young age, that's kind of where I belong. But I was sort of nudged by my good parents who had very good intentions, still have very good intentions for me uh, to follow the road of business. And I got my degree in business and communications and, and whatnot, and I never really branched out into therapy, but always wanted to, and now that's why I'm here.
1: Well, I think that that makes a great deal, of sense. there's a lot of people who have an interest like this, sort of, and I look at it not so much from an illness perspective as a personal growth perspective, mm. so that's probably the part you're drawn to, sort yes. of the awareness and learning about yourself, self-reflection. Which is really what journaling is about. Isn't right. It?
0: Right. Exactly. Exactly. We've got some really great questions lined up. And I'm so glad you're here, Susan, because I've kind of been holding on to a few of these related questions that have to just what you said. Like I, I don't want to touch the ones that sort of have to do with illness and, you know, people diagnosing themselves. I, I feel like I'd have to come on and say, I'm not really a therapist, but hey, now I've got a therapist on the show. Yes, <laughs> so, you do. So, so, very- I've got a <laughs> bunch of questions for you. <laughs> okay. <It> sounds good. <laughs> All right. And we have a, a professional reader to read these questions, too, because it's it helps give them a little voice. So people write in or they can call in. Either way, I have them read. So let's listen to this question about anxiety.
1: Hi, Nathan. This is Patty. I wanted to thank you for your program. I really, really enjoy all the interviews you do. Now, my question for you is, I've heard about how journaling can help with anxiety, and I'd like to know more about specifically how that works. I, myself, have suffered from panic attacks in the past, and it's not something that happens often, but I'm becoming increasingly interested in uh, learning how to keep myself from stress and and worry. I like writing things down. I find it's a great way to keep myself organized, but uh, I find sometimes it gets a little overwhelming and just contributes to my stress uh, rather than relieving my stress, you know. So um, I was wondering, what suggestions do you have for those type A personalities like myself? Well, I think that's um, a really good question. First of all, just to kind of form a basis or a kind of container for this, everyone is anxious at some point or another. I mean, that's just kind of a given. So everybody at one point or another feels that. What I'm concerned about is if you have regular ongoing anxiety, panic attacks, something like that, then it's best to see a qualified practitioner. Medication may be indicated. Mm -hmm. But as you mentioned in your introduction, Nathan, this is more for people who feel some anxiety some of the time and would like to feel better using journaling. So one thing that happens and what makes anxiety different in terms of using it with writing is if you keep writing about your anxiety in the usual way of, you know, dumping things out, free form writing, yes. expressing your anxiety is very easy to stay in that cycle of of anxiety. Mm-hmm, so it's it's mm-hmm. sort of like you're writing in circles. And And so we're going to take a little bit of a different approach to that. And there's something that's been used for many years and it it works quite well for anxiety and that's called cognitive therapy. So this is therapy that is not about feeling so much. It's more about left brain, what's going on in your head. Mm. So cognitive therapy can be really useful. It gets away from the feelings and more into your thinking. And it is a powerful tool. So I'm gonna suggest a model. There are many people who have worked with this model, the one that I prefer, I kind of call A, B, C, D, E. It's based on um, Ellis. And I'm going to read just a really quick definition of it. Okay, This is called the A, B, C, D model. And then I'm going to break it apart. Does that sound okay? Yeah, that sounds
0: perfect. Thank you.
1: So in writing, what I would suggest someone does is to start describing the activating event or the situation that's caused you discomfort. So if something is going on and you can identify it, my boss yelled at me, my dog bit me, you know, something that upset you at the beginning, mm. that's what you start with. That's like point A. The thing that follows is point B, which is you write down the beliefs you have because of that situation or event. Mm. I'm going to go through all these. And I'll give an example. The third thing is to write is point C, which is you write down the consequences of those beliefs. And then the next point is the disputation of those beliefs. So you argue basically with yourself. So this is a kind of a cognitive process. And then you write down your new beliefs. So I'm going to walk you through this and we'll kind of make up a little story about it. So let's start with A. A is the activating event. So for example, say someone is uh, in a work situation, they had uh, made a proposal, they were expecting to get a contract, and they didn't. Mm -hmm, So mm -hmm. this can be the activating event that actually sets off the anxiety. Because it's not necessarily just the activating event. It's part B, the belief. The belief that this must mean I am stupid, the material isn't good, mm-hmm. I'm not worth You can see how easily we can go from this thing happening to that must mean this. We do it all or the time. Or
0: reinforcing a belief that I may have already had Absolutely. before this uh, event, like um, my boss doesn't listen to me. Uh, right. I'm a woman. I'll never be heard equally in the workplace.
1: Exactly, like- yeah. See, I told you that's what you're saying to yourself. This Mm -hmm. is a belief. But you see how the activating event point A becomes the belief. Yes. But what happens with that? And here's where the anxiety, I think, comes in. There are consequences of that belief. So that's point C. Consequences of belief would be something like, I don't want to try that again.
0: This is never going to work. Yeah.
1: This is never going to. hasn't worked before. See, I told you it's not going to work now. Why bother? I'm quitting. So do you see that that belief then causes a whole series of consequences? Yes. Now, here's the intervention. Here's where it can kind of get fun. You begin to dispute that. You basically have a little argument or discussion with yourself, Mm. and you can write all of this out on paper. I even have a worksheet. There's a a description of this actually in my book, The Healing Power of Writing. It's called the ABCDE model. It's on page 84. And there there are worksheets in the back of the book so people can use that as a way to set this up. Here's my favorite part. It's the disputation, part D. I'm probably not stupid. I mean, really, how would you have gotten as far as you did if you're stupid?
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: Um, how do I know the material isn't good? This guy rejected it. He didn't like it, but that doesn't mean it's not good. Mm. See, you see how we? So you start arguing it with yourself. You're like a your own um, lawyer. Yeah, <laughs> or or you beat like inner team.
0: critic meets inner coach.
1: Exactly. That's exactly <laughs> right. and no, that's exactly what's happening. Okay. And then here's another one you can come up with. Something like this you know, maybe there's a reason this didn't work out. Maybe that wasn't the best place to work for. You see? Mm -hmm. So it's like you are literally, you're going out of the feelings and into your head. This is one of the few times that I would say it's probably a great idea to leave the feelings behind and get into headspace because anxiety can be caused from our thinking. That's most likely what's Mm -hmm. going on.
0: Okay, okay.
1: And the final thing is, I can't decide with the point E whether it should be an effective new belief or an empowering new belief. So I'm going to call it both. We'll call it an effective and empowering new belief. You know what? This may have been the wrong time and the wrong place. And, you know, it's okay. Or if you're really able to do this, this is fun. Let's say, I, I think at the numbers 34, for some reason, you're supposed to, when you go out in the world and you ask for something, you can get 34 no's because <laughs> this time you got a no, you still got 33. Do you see what I mean? Yes. So it's that's just one of the no's. So um, that ABCDE model based on cognitive therapy, it takes a few minutes to do. You have to kind of organize it a little bit, but it's very powerful. And once you do the disputation, you can't keep arguing the other way because you've seen the other side. And I love what you just said about sort of your inner um, critic meets your inner um, coach. Your, yeah. your coach. I mean, that's exactly what happens.
0: Exactly. Very good, and yeah, I, I also love the um, analogy or the image of the uh, getting a lawyer to come and speak on your behalf.
1: <laughs> well, really, yeah. because we we know that's all logic, <clears throat> you know. So yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, very good. And you know, when we're going through this example, and this exactly, this exact example did happen to me. The empowering belief I walked away from with was, you know what at least I planted a seed. Right. You know, so the proposal didn't go through, but I planted a seed. So maybe next time this gets brought up in another way by somebody else, even it has more likeliness of taking root because I at least planted some good seeds. I didn't follow this method. Of course, I didn't know about it until now, but thank you so much, Susan, for sharing it. And and I, I also, I can see how, you know, public speakers, you know, people who get anxious speaking in front of groups, People who have a lot of work responsibilities or a lot of home responsibilities and working with children. Yeah, this has a lot of different places where anxiety usually uh, comes up.
1: Right. And it's what's so beautiful is we don't have to go for this particular thing. We don't have to go outside ourselves and have someone else. You can can't have someone help you with a disputation, but your brain knows. Your brain knows the answer. Mm-hmm. It knows that you can say all those things or plant a seed, as you said, mm-hmm. or whatever. It's there. It's just a matter of, what the writing does, of course, as we know. It makes it more concrete, and you can see it. It's like, oh, there it is
0: mm-hmm. in writing on paper. Yes. Yeah. Just like one of those quotes, I think it was, um, oh, <laughs> I'm going to misquote Henry David Thoreau probably. I'm guessing said, "I don't even know what I think about until I'm I've written it down."
1: Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no that I I get the concept, right? <laughs> yeah, and that's true. I mean, many different people have said that and and that's the idea is like you don't know what's in there until you write it down and so that that absolutely applies here. I've got another idea if you want another possible thing to do. And again, it's a writing down and observing yourself. It's a, you notice the pattern here of getting outside yourself to deal with the anxiety rather than becoming enmeshed or continuing with the anxious feelings. Mm-hmm. Can I just share one more sure. thing here? Yes. Okay. So here's something I would suggest, and this is what I call a worry log. Now If you're into it, you can set up an Excel spreadsheet. You know, people (laughs) like to do things that way. I like things a little more artistic, but you can make a little, you know, little boxes and things. Mm -hmm. And here's what I would do. I would make a series of columns. And here, I'll sort of explain it this way. So you have a piece of paper or a spreadsheet. It has five different, like, columns or headings. Okay. And the columns would be something like this. Now, this is kind of a log, a chart. Date. The date, the thing happened, the event, Mm -hmm. time, the actual thought, how you felt physically and how you felt emotionally. So date, time, thought, the physical sensation and the emotional sensation. Mm -hmm. And what you begin to do is if you keep track of these times when you feel anxious, you are likely to see a pattern. Mm -hmm. So let me give you an example all right. So the date is, say, I don't know, March uh, 6th or something. It's in the afternoon. And the thought is, I'm seeing my family mm-hmm. this weekend. Mm-hmm. And so automatically we go immediately to tension in the back of my neck. Now, I know you've never experienced this. I certainly <laughs> never have. But just in case someone has, then what happens is after that we go to worry. So we got the physical. We got You see, there's a setup. Yes. What happened? When again taking it apart, almost like a little detective thing. Yeah. What are the clues that happen? So here's another one. Let's say it's uh, about dinner time, and you say to yourself, "I don't know." You're putting dinner on the table for your family, and you say, "Should we be eating better? I mean, like, I'm not sure this frozen pizza is really continent here."
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: you're physically feeling a little blah you know a little bloated a little fat a little not so great
0: dizzy nauseous yeah
1: exactly yeah from the white flower on you (laughs) know not making judgment I'm just saying and then you start to feel a little depressed okay so what's that about or here's another one this sort of that anxious blah feeling this is early in the morning and you think to yourself you know I could probably skip zumba class really i do i have to go <laughs> and as you say that you notice i'm lazy i'm feeling lazy i'm tired and the emotion is blech, mm-hmm. sort of it's a very professional word Bluch. <laughs> yeah you see what i mean and then let's i'm gonna take a completely um i've got one good go. guests
0: are coming over
1: uh huh. And, and my
0: house does not look very nice. I've got boxes. I've still got things out. Did I flush the toilet?
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right, lots of thoughts for one little thing. And then, how do you feel physically? I am going to just ask you, as though you were asking yourself. Um, tightness,
0: it- yeah, stress. I guess stress might be the emotional element of it. Physically, it's tension, tightness. I also get speedy; like I got to take care of things. I am jittery.
1: Right, right. Sort um, of like, yeah. Go take care like of things.
0: Yeah, exactly. I got to go and right. take care of things.
1: Right. So you can see where that thinking results in that feeling, mm-hmm. results in that action, which none of it's doing you any good. Now, this doesn't solve it, but it takes it apart so you can say, well, what's the plan here? Yeah, Well. yeah. Nathan, I don't mean to be rude, but clean up your place, you know? <laughs> Make a planet. You see, at least you know where it's coming from. It's not just a general anxious feeling. Right. So that kind of breaks it apart a little bit. Yeah,
0: very good. Very good. Yes, and the, the example came to me because I'm I'm just finishing up a move. <laughs> oh, I want yeah. to have guests over like I used to, but I've just got just a lot of stuff. I'm going through the decluttering and letting go. So
1: <laughs> Yes, right. Right. I think I've heard of it. Actually, I frequently experienced it like daily, but yeah, <laughs> that's true. There's another just really quick one that is so easy that it's ridiculous, but we forget to do it. And I, I'm, since I'd like to make up titles and words, it's called Nature Walk and Write. Mm. And I have taught this forever for classes, and I cannot tell you, it is so much fun. Because what happens is people totally physically change. So what you might do is, you know, just again, center yourself, go out for a walk. If you've got a group of people or you've got people around, have people not talk to anyone. And just if you've got an issue, something you believe or feel is making you anxious, just let that be out there. Mm. And then walk amongst, if you possibly can be in nature, near water, plants, sand, rocks, something outdoors. And just allow that in and make notes if things come to you Mm, or not. mm. But even taking your journal with you on a walk, I I do that all the time. I always carry a notebook. So it's, uh, of course, I don't walk very fast either. But anyway, so the idea is to actually get out in nature and combine that with writing. And that can be a really calming experience. Nature automatically will do that.
0: Very good. These are excellent ideas that will help people going through a temporary bout of anxiety over something but honestly and, and you know you've said this already at the very beginning if somebody is experiencing ongoing chronic anxiety, these would help but I what I'm hearing is don't confuse the journal writing for real therapy itself
1: That's right it is as I've always referred to it, it's an adjunctive or an adjunct to therapy so you can do that with a therapist you can do that without a therapist. But the idea is that I personally do not believe that writing actually cures things, but it is a very, very powerful, supportive thing. So so yes, writing does have healing power, but you can't rely on that to actually fix something that's pretty serious. I just wanted to clarify that. So good point.
0: Yeah, very good. Susan, thanks again for joining us on another episode of Journal Talk Q&A. Tell us how we can reach you and how we can get a copy of this book.
1: Okay. There are two different websites, Nathan. First is SusanBorkin.com. The second is HealingPowerOfWriting.com.
0: Excellent. All right. We'll look for you there. And thanks again for your time. And we'll see you on another episode. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to Journal Talk Q&A. If you have a question you would like featured on the program in a future episode, please send it to me at nathan at easyjournaling.com. Nathan at easyjournaling.com. I would love to feature it here and send you a little thank you gift for uh, sharing your question. You can also send it to me in the form of a voice message. If you would like to share your voice on Journal Talk Q&A, you can dial this number. It's 1 1- 805-751-6280. That's a United States number, and only normal toll charges apply. There's no extra charge for Journal Talk Q and A. Thanks everyone again, and have a great week. And we'll see you next time. Meanwhile, keep on writing. This episode of Journal Talk is copyright and brought to you by Write for Life, an online resource for living with passion, clarity, and purpose through journaling. Visit our website at www.write The number four, life, L-I-F-E Thanks again for listening to Journal Talk.